family life can be both rewarding and frustrating. That is why we are here to strengthen families with quality information and support to meet the many challenges they face. Welcome to In Support of Families. Parents all over the world have been through the same trials that you are facing. Your host, Emma Lou Penrod, is here to help with valuable parenting tips for a happy, orderly home. Today, I'm talking to Marie Chase, and she is a hypnobirthing childbirth educator, a doula, a placenta encapsulator, and mother of 10. Marie, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much, Emily. I, I commend you on your extensive background in, in childbirth and many things related to it. Tell us, tell us your story. This, this sounds intriguing. Well, um, when I first had babies, I, my sisters, older sisters kind of directed me toward using midwives because they really liked them. So I went ahead and started by using midwives and, uh, this is back in the mid eighties. So I had my first children unmedicated and back then that was kind of a movement and, uh, that was a wonderful experience. And then uh, I had insurance on my third baby because uh, of where my husband was working. So we thought that would be great because to have um, a midwife at that point, you had to pay out of pocket. And then so for my third baby, I went ahead and had an obstetrician. And I'm not anti-obstetrician, but my experience was markedly different using an OB in a hospital than it was with my hippie midwives back in the 80s. So I wanted to look around when I was having my fourth baby and I found out that you can have babies at home. And I thought that was fabulous. So, cause I didn't know that wasn't even op an option. So I found a home birth midwife. Um, this baby was born in 1990 and that was a fantastic experience. It was the best thing ever. So I had the rest of my babies at home and I think it was just sort of that growing the opportunity to learn and grow through the process of having more children and um, just collecting more information. The, the first birth education that I used uh, with my first baby, because that was another thing my sisters had told me, you need to go to a birthing class, but it was um, an in-hospital Lamaze class. And I remember when I was finished that I was a little bit confused at exactly what we were going for I wasn't I wasn't clear the breeding didn't really make sense to me and I don't know it just wasn't clear so I read the book by Dr. Bradley and I kind of came up with my own version of how I birthed I just sort of made it up the whole idea that Bradley presents that you follow um, that you kind of do what animals do where you really get really relaxed and listen to your body that really made a lot of sense to me so I decided that that was what I was going to do. And um, I just followed kind of the breathing that came naturally to me at the different times. And it seemed to work really well. So fast forward to my last baby. I had a friend who'd been trained to be a hypnobirthing practitioner at that time. That's what we called them. And she was very excited. And she knew that I was um, interested in childbirth. And that's how we had met. And so she... She said, I, I want to give you a book. I want you to read this book and tell me what you think. So I got the hypnobirthing book. This was a really thin version. It was light blue. I still have the one that I read back then because it was, it was kind of a collector's item now. 
Um, and this baby was born in 2002. So I read through it and I, this whole idea of hypnosis really intrigued me. So I asked if she'd come over because I said, I, I've read everything in the book, but I don't understand what the hypnosis piece is because I guess I thought it was going to be something, I don't know, different than I expected. So she came over. She says, well, I'll do some scripts with you because she was still practicing. I don't think she'd even taken her exam at that point. She says, yeah, this would be great. I'm going to practice with you. So she did a script with me and it was awesome. Of course, anybody that's had a hypnosis script read, it's amazing. And I felt so refreshed and amazing afterwards. And I didn't remember part, part of it. So I asked her, I said, why don't I remember all of what you said? And so she talked to me about it. And I remember after she was finished telling me, she said, I, I said, so being in hypnosis is basically just being really, really relaxed. She said, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I was like completely intrigued. So I got all the assignments and things that, I was supposed to do. She wasn't actually teaching the class at that time yet because she wasn't completed with her training, but my baby was coming soon enough. I'm like, well, I, I really want to do this. So she just sort of walked me through what I needed to do. And I did all of the activities and really focused on it, practicing all the breathing. And I just loved having the focus on my baby and on my body. And with this being my 10th baby, things were pretty busy. Um, she was born in May and anybody that has children in school knows that May is the second December of your life because everything happens. You have every concert or um, just anything. They always do some kind of review or program in May. And, you know, I would be bringing cookies or whatever, helping with every program. And this baby was due mid-May and I was trying to figure out as I got closer when I was going to even squeeze in having a baby amidst all the other activities. And so one of the things, the scripts that we had was um, the affirmations. And I remember thinking, I want to just take a warm bath every night to unwind and I'm going to listen to affirmations. So I did that on a regular basis. And what I found was the power of those positive ideas in my mind, along with the relaxation accompanying a bath really cleared my brain every night so I could sleep really well and I remained focused on what was most important because of course I don't even remember what programs happened that month um, but I do remember the birth of that baby very clearly so it was it was just an amazing experience to have that tool to keep myself focused in the direction I really wanted to be focused but you have all these different, you know, expectations pulling on you. And I think that is so classic of today's world. You have, if you're a first time mom, you have everybody's opinions, or you have all the stories that you've heard, or what you read on a blog somewhere, or I don't know, you can just be pulled in every direction. But this idea that I was going to tune into my body and what my baby needed and really listen to the process and trust it was just I just loved that affirming uh, influence. And one of the funny things that happened, I mean, my husband and I have gone through this process of having babies a few times by this time, and he had it kind of down pat. And so we would sit down every Sunday and we would plan the coming week. 
because there was a lot of dividing and conquering at that point in our life. So we sat down on a Sunday evening, kind of going over the calendar. And I said, well, I'm due this week. Um, I'm at 40 weeks because I, at this point, I had a big desk calendar that I put magnets on the back of and I'd stick it to the front of my fridge. And that's how I ran my life. This was before smartphones and Google calendars and all that. So I really had to have a hard copy of some sort. And then I would just go and look at it every day, multiple times. So we had the big calendar down on the kitchen table. And I said, look, I'm, I'm due this week. And he, he questioned me pretty thoroughly. And I was wondering why he was questioning me because here it is on our calendar that ran everything. It was the master brain of our family's life. And I said, why are you questioning me? I said, of course, it's, look, it's right here. I'm due this week. And that doesn't mean I necessarily would have my baby, but I was pretty consistently at 40 weeks. I had my babies within, you know, two or three days, either side of my due date. And he said, well, you're just doing really well. If you really do this week, he said, cause you're, you're usually a little grouchier by now. <laughs> and I was working really hard not to be a little offended by that. Cause I thought, of course I did a beautiful job of having babies. But his point was well taken because when I thought about it, he was right. And I think that the big difference was that with this pregnancy, I was able to sleep all the way up to the end. Whereas usually you get uncomfortable and, you know, your bladder wakes you up at least two times a night. And when I wake up, my brain would turn on and I'd start thinking about everything I needed to do or how to prepare. So I'd miss two to three hours of sleep a night between the two different bathroom visits. And sometimes I remember if I woke up at like 3.30 or something, I wouldn't sleep again. So I was getting up at these crazy early hours and not getting the sleep my body really needed. But with hypnobirthing, I did. So I went into that labor feeling refreshed and focused and empowered. And I had these wonderful breathing techniques and I knew how to relax in a very rapid, because I practiced all my rapid relaxation techniques. Those were my favorite. And I had, it was wonderful. So I think for me, that was the jumping off point. And like, I really wanted to help other women have an experience like I had, because that labor went great. I, um, it started early in the morning, kind of like most of my labors did. And I actually had a midwife appointment that day. So I showed up and she checked me. She goes, I think you're in labor. I said, I'm pretty sure I'm in labor, but I went to my appointment anyway. And she says, well, you need to go home and I'll, you know, I'll be there in a few hours. So I went home and my oldest daughter stayed home with me because she loves childbirth as well. And it was sort of a bonding thing that we did. She was with me in a lot of my births and so we just labored at home for a while and my midwife showed up and I was just kind of kicked back. I was having surges, but nothing that was incredibly intense or anything. I just was kind of chatty and was just kind of relaxed and fun. That's one of the things I love about home birth is it's just sort of this relaxed, fun thing. And I, my midwife hadn't checked me. She was just setting up and I had had water births for a few of the babies before that. I had my pool. I would just buy children's swim pools at that time because I didn't really have the whole water birth cool pools they have now, the uh, birth in a box pools or anything like that. So I just went to the store and would buy my the biggest children's blow up pool I could find. And so I had that and hadn't even considered getting it ready because things just didn't seem like they were moving along that quickly. And so uh, 
I was talking to my midwife and I said, finally, I said, would you just mind checking me? Cause it felt like it was taking a really long time, even though it wasn't that long hour wise, it just felt kind of just too calm. And I wondered what was holding things up. So, so she said, yeah, sure. I'll check you. So she came over and checked me and she said, you're a nine plus. And I was shocked by that. And my husband, in fact, he had just left the room and he overheard what she said. And he goes, you're a what? <laughs> he said, oh my goodness, you're doing so well. <laughs> and I can't really, from his perspective, know what he was accustomed to seeing when I was a nine, but I know it wasn't what he was seeing this time. <laughs> and so I uh, just went ahead and thought about it. It was really impactful. I couldn't believe that I'd made all that progress and really been just kind of kicked back on my bed chatting between surges. Of course, I did my breathing during the surges and uh, focused, did all the things, but it had just seemed easy. It never had gotten real intense to the point where I usually was at this, this time in my labor. So I said to her after I had a couple surges, I said, well, if I'm that close, what could I do to be finished and have this baby? She said, well, if you want to get in an upright position, because literally I was just sitting back on my bed. So I thought, okay, I'll try that. So I knelt at the end of my bed, just trying a kneeling position. And I went complete. And I know the baby came down at least a little bit during that surge. So I said, well, I'm complete right now. <laughs> and that was the new term. I loved all the hypnobirthing language. That was fun. So do I. I love it. Complete is just like, we're wrapping this up and we're moving on, you know, to the next phase here. And uh, she was shocked by that. And I had asked her if she would bring a birthing chair or birthing stool just for fun, um, which I'm really glad she did because um, I hadn't made my bed or anything because I was going to have this baby in the pool like I usually did, but we hadn't even blown it up and there was no way I was going to get filled in the time for a baby to come. So she said, she says, well, do you want to be on the stool? I said, I think that sounds great. <laughs> so, so we got the stool already and I sat on the stool and that baby literally did what it says in all the scripts. It, this baby flowed into the world. There was no pushing. There was nothing. That baby just flowed out of my body. It was the most amazing experience. And then I'm holding her and, you know, the placenta just within a few minutes just flowed right on out of my body. I just felt like I had almost cheated and had this baby in the easiest way possible. So I do tell this story occasionally when I teach my classes, but I kind of have to dial it back because it sounds unbelievable and it was pretty unbelievable to me, but that was the inspiration to start teaching hypnobirthing was because I was just like, every woman needs to experience this. This is amazing. And I really credit it to, I, I was an experienced birther by then. Yeah. But I had all of the tools I needed. I think the breathing was amazing. I know that the relaxation and the visualizations, because I used everything, every tool, because I thought it was so much fun. I'm like, I'm going to use all of these things. It was very, very helpful. Um, I think my uterus just never had to work as hard because of the uh, surge breathing that we used. That was really efficient. That's what I credit that um, the ease of opening up. I think I started just really in a good shape. And here I am, the oldest I've ever been having a baby. I was 37 at the time. 
and you know everybody's like oh it's going to be a hard one I remember my midwife saying you're a triple high risk birth just because that's what the medical community decides if you're over 35 you're high risk and I was what they call a grand multip which means I had over I think four babies we become a grand multip when I was like a super duper grand multip because I'd had 10 babies and I can't remember the other thing that she said maybe high risk but I'm like yeah I'm I just didn't buy into much of that. So I'm like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> so, and here I have the best birth ever as a triple risk, grand multip, whatever. <laughs> so it was really an incredible experience. Well, you know, as you tell that story, I'm saying this is really a woman with a growth oriented mind. I, you know, you think of a first time mother taking childbirth education and here you are expecting your 10th having already had very positive experiences, but wanting to learn more. That is amazing. Yeah, it was very exciting. I'd like to share one of the things that really stood out to me. Yes. Cause um, my, my mom had talked about hypnosis and my mom Let's see, she was born in the 30s. So hypnosis was kind of seen as a scary thing. Yes. And uh, so my introduction to hypnosis, and I, I heard what my mom said, but I kind of didn't really, it didn't really make sense to me that anybody could ever have control over your mind or that that would be a scary thing. But she must have been introduced to it in a negative way. But I think kind of during the 50s, some of that stuff was kicked around and she just must not have thought it was a very good idea. But anyway, so when I was introduced to this hypnosis thing, uh, the whole idea of just being deeply relaxed, but that's hypnosis. I love that idea. But part of the part that I wasn't 100% sure about was that your mind really like the, that your mind really created your reality. I'm like, I, I don't know about that. Because uh -huh. the whole idea that you didn't have to experience pain as part of birth, that was really provocative to me. I'm like, so what you're saying is when I, felt like things were painful before that was just that was just my mind <laughs> I just didn't know if I I don't know about that so during this labor and I I would never encourage anybody else to do this but every surge I had and this was part of my focus I would do my visualization then afterwards I would just evaluate between surges like so did that one hurt and every single time through the entire labor and birth it was no none of them ever were painful. The other thing was, it was the first time I'd ever been introduced to a birth plan. And I like thought that was the best thing ever. I'm like, I get to write down something and people are need to read it. And you know, here I am birthing at home. So I pretty much have, I know I can control a lot of things, but it still was an exciting idea because I had had through my birthing experience, four different midwives and different midwives are different. Even if you're birthing at home, you really still need to communicate with them. So I um, wrote down exactly, you know, my, what I wanted mostly had to do with how my baby was handled after the baby was born. I had very high expectations on how babies are handled and treated and all of that. But anyway, so I wrote this birth plan and the first one I wrote, cause I kind of got into it, it was actually about four and a half pages long, which is, uh, you know, if you've ever, you're definitely not supposed to write birth plans that are that long especially not in a hospital setting, but I did, I just got into it. I was like writing down every little detail. I decided I wanted to have my baby on a Thursday. And I thought that like 
thought 2.30 would be the perfect timing because then my children would come home after school. And Thursday was the only night I didn't have any other activities planned. So I wouldn't have to get anybody to lessons or um, practices or anything. And I'm like, okay, that would be perfect. So I'm thinking like a very practical mom, but was really invested in it. And I kind of got, I think I was in a state of hypnosis when I was actually writing my birth plan. And uh, unfortunately, I hadn't finished and printed it out because I had a few more details I had to add. So I had minimized it on our family computer. And then I went and picked up my children and I ran them all around to all the things they had to do. Well, amidst all the homework that night, that copy got uh, deleted. I could not find it. And I was a little bit heartbroken because I felt like it was a masterpiece. I'd put everything in it I wanted. And, you know, how skin to skin was going to go and our bonding moment and all just everything. So I had an appointment with my midwife the next day and I needed to take it with me that time. So I just went ahead and typed up a bullet point version, which was only one side of one page. And, you know, of course, I didn't put there that I wanted my baby on a Thursday because I figured it doesn't matter to her. And I didn't put in there. I did put a few details about how I wanted my baby handled, but none of the none of the fun details, like we, we have birthday parties when we have babies. So I had decided that for this baby, we were going to have, you know, a certain kind of cake and all the desserts. And I wanted sparkling Martinelli so we could toast afterwards. So I, that's the kind of stuff that was in that first version. But anyway, I printed out a few copies and it wasn't until after I had my baby and I was up in the middle of the night nursing her and reflecting maybe just a day or so after she was born. And I realized that my baby had been born at 2.26 on a Thursday afternoon. Wow. And that blew my mind. That's when I thought, maybe there is something to this hypnosis thing. Maybe my mind does have something that it wasn't just a fluke. And I knew this was my last baby, so I wasn't going to test it out again. Although it was very tempting. It was very tempting. I just didn't want to raise any more than 10 children. That was really my max. So, but that was, that really, really solidified the whole idea that the mind does impact the body. So, so when I teach my classes about uh, birth plans, I tell that story and I say, you need to write two versions. You have the long version, which is the, however long you want to make it. It was a creative piece for me. And I think my mind, because it was just really going into all the detail, it created that experience. It was a beautiful birth. And I really credit a lot of it to that creation moment of my birth plan. And then I make they then make the short birth plan that communicates how people can support you in your creation. Because I really think that our minds are able to create. Oh, yes. Love, harmonious attraction, for sure. Yeah, you were able to vividly yep. imagine and conceive exactly how you wanted that to go. And it did. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Okay, amazing. now, you do several other things that I also think are interesting and that People need to know there are these options. You know, quite often I'm afraid young women find out they're pregnant and just go to an obstetrician and say, okay, tell me what to do. But they do have options, don't they? Lots of options. When I first started teaching hypnobirthing, I was in Arizona and I just taught wherever I could find a, a space. Usually it was in a school. When I moved up here to Utah, I actually saw, started teaching in an auto body shop because they had like a, a cool room and he was a good friend of ours up here that we met 
And then I started teaching at McKady Hospital in a hospital setting. And that was really interesting. It was interesting on so many levels. And so I did that for 10 years. And then just a year and a half ago, I resigned teaching there and I'm teaching right now in a birth center. So, uh, so I've had a lot of different experiences in different spaces as far as birth. And then also as a doula going to different locations, supporting women. Um, I actually became a doula because my hypnobirthing mom started to say, Hey, could you just come to my birth with me? <laughs> and I love that. I'm like, that would be so cool. I want to see how these actually work at the birth. You know, I mean, I teach this stuff and I would sometimes get to hear how it turned out, but sometimes I didn't. So I would always say yes. And then after a while it became kind of consistent and I decided I needed to get some training. So I've attended births at home in a variety of different uh, birth centers. And then also in all of the hospitals around this area, uh, which has been very interesting because you see the, uh, just a different approach. And I've attended births with, um, of course, home birth midwives, and then with a nurse midwives in hospital setting and a nurse midwife in a home setting, and with uh, obstetricians. And so I think it's really important that when a woman's deciding who to choose as a care provider, that they look at the training and the background of that care provider. Because uh, right now in this area, there are probably three or four obstetricians that are fantastic. They're just really good. But again, if you ask them a few questions, you find out that it's not really from their obstetrics training that they're so good. It's really from other life experiences they've had that have brought them to the place where they're, it's that background that rounds them out so they're really excellent uh, at attending births the way hypnobirthing does births and so I think it's important to realize that an obstetrician is a surgeon and that if you are going to contract with a surgeon for an unmedicated birth that it's just it's not really fair to the surgeon sometimes they have to really have a background and an understanding of an unmedicated natural birth um, but not to just necessarily go and hire an obstetrician and assume that they're going to have the background to support you in that. So that's important when we're talking about hiring an obstetrician. And I'm not down on them. I, like I said, I know a number of them that are amazing and really do an excellent job of supporting. Um, and then same thing with nurse midwives. Um, I've seen some nurse midwives that are excellent, just incredible at supporting unmedicated birth and others that... Um, they're not so good. They, they kind of, they err on the side of medical approach because it's what makes them feel safe. I think they bring a lot of fear with them. So again, you need to ask the questions as to what their personal approach to birth or view of birth is before you can really see if you match up. And it's not a statement on whether they're good or not. They're probably excellent. They just may not be excellent at what you want if you're wanting an unmedicated birth or to be supported in a natural experience. And then home birth midwives, because they are at home or in a birth center, they, they have a huge tool chest of how to handle different things in creative ways because they don't have the options, you know, medical options just readily available. That's kind of intriguing to watch because you see how many things could be used in a hospital setting if those providers had that background and understanding and uh, determination to assist a mom through something that might be a little, a little challenging, 
um, in a, a creative way and not just give in to the, I don't know if it's the easy way out in the long run, but sometimes, you know, if you're in a hospital, it's an easy way out. Just, you know, let's give this mom an epidural and then we'll be done or whatever. So, so it's just been really a good education. And I think um, just kind of being aware of what their background is, not only their education, but also their background personally and, and how they feel about unmedicated birth. I think it's really, really important to just ask them frankly and, you know, no judgment. If I've heard obstetricians say, why would a woman ever want to have an unmedicated birth? That's, they think it's the most ridiculous thing. It's like, why would you want to, you know, be in a horse and buggy if you can be in a Ferrari mm -hmm. in their mind, that's what they see. Yeah. <laughs> and they really view it that way. Well, I, I don't think you should hire that person. They're not on the same page <laughs> and they're not really interested in even going there. They're just, they are set in their ideas and no. you know, I respect them for what they do and they service women that have the same perspective. But when you're hiring, it's really important to, to make sure you match. Anyway, I decided to go start teaching and working in a birth center because I love the environment. I love, it's very relaxed. It's very personalized. Um, I also love learning from the midwife I work with. Her name is Chris Miller. She's been a midwife for 50 years, actually over 50 years, but she likes to pretend it hasn't been that long. <laughs> I, I need to tell you that Chris Miller delivered one of my children. Did she? So you know her. She's wonderful, yes, isn't she? She's just so... She is. She is amazing. She's amazing. And she's created a beautiful, supportive, relaxed, but very medically competent practice. Uh, she, you know, is very, like when I started having babies at home, I, I didn't tell people because usually they got all stressed and I'm like, I don't want to add any stress. Oh yeah. So I, if somebody did find out, well, you're having your baby home, you know, and they start asking all the questions. I said, well, you have to be a very qualified person to have a home birth. That's what I started. <laughs> I just made this up. But it's kind of true. You know, you can't have a home birth if you're not really healthy. If your baby's not, you know, if anything's not going yep. right, you can't even, you don't qualify. Like I wasn't just a mindless idiot that decided I wanted to do the most unsafe thing possible while I was having my baby. I showed them that I went through this thought process and that I, you know, I did. And so that's what I really see done excellently at Chris's is she's very open and honest with women about their uh, medical situation and she will support them in any way she can, but she's not going to do anything that isn't safe. And even during labors and things, if things don't look right. Yeah. Um, and I like, to, I guess I like to say that so that women that might be looking at that as an option, understand that it is a medically sound choice to go to to have a birth out of a hospital. It's not like you're just throwing caution to the wind or something. It's a, it's a very good decision. You can make a really sound decision and not every woman qualifies, which is actually one of the reasons I'm a doula in a hospital is to try to give women as close to the supported, relaxed experience that they would have in a birth center or a home in a hospital setting. Cause that's, I think every woman should have that kind of experience no matter where they have their babies. Well, and I like the idea, you talk about the birth plan. You know, this is a momentous occasion. You don't have a baby every day. Why not plan it 
the way you want it exactly and, and make it you know make it special and and just another comment on uh chris she delivered my second to the last child and i was going to her with my last child when i developed phlebitis and she just told me you know what you need to go to a specialist i really you now have a medical complication and you know took herself off the case so i had great respect for her right doing that. well and i think you know when we're talking about the birth plan everybody has their ideal Mm -hmm. But, you know, we're not like Bridezilla, where if we don't get exactly what we want, we're going to pitch a fit and scream and make a problem, right? With yes. And, and plan, and, and then we roll with what happens, and we make the absolute best of whatever the situation yes. happens. I love that affirmation that, you know, whatever turn it takes, you'll be relaxed, calm, and able to be part of the decision-making process, so... Yeah. That's magical. So what are some of the advantages of using a birth center um, as opposed to like a, a home birth? I think probably the, probably the main advantage I see of a birth center, I, I think it's a place where I think there is something about not being in your home when you're birthing. Some women, that would be too distracting. I think home is the workplace of women, whether they are full-time home mom or if they work and come home that they're always on the job <laughs> when they're in their house kind of they're always looking around and I think some women have a really difficult time letting go of that workplace mentality and so to be able to leave their home and go to a place that is designated this is where I'm going to birth I think really is beneficial to them um, where they don't have to change the sheets they don't need to worry if the towels are clean they don't need to worry about any of the other things and of course in a home birth setting you know the home birth midwife brings all the medical equipment with her everything oxygen um, everything that's necessary but there is still that other part where you know the sheets need to be clean and on the bed the, the room needs to be clean to the point that you feel comfortable yeah. and so I think that's the main benefit of going to a birth center is that it's a it's a just set up the equipment's already there right yes in the birth center it's all set up and it's right there mm -hmm. yeah i also think sometimes you just have living situations where a home birth is just not really going to work space-wise or like i have a daughter-in-law who um had chris as her midwife and she chose the birth center because they were living in an apartment yeah and she says the energy, there's just too much energy here. I can't focus. And she had a fabulous, beautiful birth in the birth center. And I think a lot of it was just because she was able to be away from the distracting energy to her. It was distracting. Wonderful. Okay. Now, can yeah. you talk about the placenta encapsulation? Most, a lot of people have never heard of that. Well, I had never heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was an add-on I did it's actually came up as an add-on when I took my doula certification and I did that through hypnobirthing Institute from an amazing midwife from uh, New Mexico and she um, was a real she's actually written the only book that I found about placenta encapsulation and now I'm gonna see if I can remember her name I will remember her name I'm not remembering right this minute but um, it was an add-on class. And so I really hadn't heard about it, but she just explained it to me. And I'm like, I want to do that. 
And the way she explained it really made sense. She said, uh, the placenta just has the nutrient hormonal components that each woman has needs to heal very well from the birth that they, from their birth. And there are three main benefits that come from uh, consuming your placenta afterwards. And of course, encapsulation is the most easy way to do that. But the one, one is to stabilize the hormonal shift after birth. So the chance of having devastating uh, depression or anything after birth for some women is just, birth is fine. The postpartum period is just really challenging. And so because the placenta is full of progesterone, that's probably the main hormone that is stored in the placenta. And because once the placenta is born, the progesterone levels in the body plummet. Uh, some women, I think, have a sensitive hormonal system, and that can be very uh, disruptive to stability. I mean, I think every woman experiences some of that, but I think some women's systems are just really sensitive. So if you're able to soften that uh, decrease in progesterone by taking the encapsulated placenta, it really, really supports the mom having a more stable move into postpartum life with a newborn baby. The other benefit um, is healing. Healing is definitely increased. I have seen, it's all anecdotal. I think they do have some studies and maybe some of them have come in now, but since it's a new practice in America, and since we love to have evidence-based everything, <laughs> my support is anecdotal, but I have encapsulated a lot of placentas. So I, I tend to get a lot of feedback and I get a lot of repeat business because women feel great afterwards. And so if a woman has to go back to work, even if it's a, a nice six week recovery, there still is, that's still asking a lot of the body. So uh, to get back on to normal track and the demands of work within six weeks, taking in placenta um, really speeds all that up. And again, it's the hormones and the nutrients that uh, are just perfectly set up for that woman to heal from birth. Uh, the other one, and I get, you know, quite a few women that have struggled with producing enough milk for their babies, and that can be very stressful, which of course causes more problems with producing milk, because stress is one of the problems that come with that. Um, yes. And that definitely, it's a very big support for milk production. I actually have a wonderful video on my website. Um, I don't have what I'd call a real robust blog, but one of my favorite blog posts is a friend of mine who has had three children all by C-section. She met me before she was pregnant with her third baby. We had talked about placenta encapsulation because it's a little bit of a crazy subject and kind of fun to talk about. So she contacted me when she was pregnant with her third baby and asked if I would encapsulate her placenta, which I did. And then because she was a friend of mine, I asked, can I come over and video you and you do a testimonial for me about placenta encapsulation and um, what she, I actually did not have any idea what her experience was before I got to her house, but she had an amazing experience. And this is from a cesarean. So the recovery after cesarean is big. The reason that she wanted to do is because she'd always had struggles with her other two babies producing enough milk. And uh, that's what she says. She says it was amazing. It was night and day difference, the uh, difference in my milk production. So since she had so many 
challenges uh, with, you know, having the cesarean and, you know, she'd not had a vaginal birth. So we don't know if she would have had trouble producing milk in a vaginal birth experience. It might have been, she would have done fine. But I do know cesareans definitely up the stress on the body and recovery time. And so that often is a reason women have a more challenge after cesareans making milk, enough milk for their babies. But that's the third and probably most exciting is if you're able to help women be able to produce enough milk for their babies, they're able to just relax and enjoy and not have that hanging over them like a worry about whether they have enough milk. Yeah, and easing that recovery. So this is on your website. What is it? Is it just a, a testimonial or what's the name of the blog post? Um, Casey's, Casey's Placenta. It's Casey is her name, K-A-S-E-Y. It's just a video. Uh-huh. And she holds okay. the record for the most placenta, cap, uh, placenta capsules ever. She was a CrossFitter. Well, and she's amazing. I, you know about CrossFit. Well, I, she's the first CrossFitter I'd ever met because this baby, I think, is probably about four or five years old, maybe five years old now. But anyway, it was kind of new. And her placenta was so big and so thick. She got all these capsules. So she had capsules for days. <laughs> it's like, hey, wow. Casey, you hold the record. So that to me shows, I, you know, I've handled hundreds, if not a thousand placentas. And there's a very, it, it's a direct feedback on that mom's lifestyle. I think, you know, if you eat really well and you do things, I don't think you have to be a CrossFitter, but she has the biggest, most beautiful placenta I've ever seen. <laughs> so and so the process is is just to kind of is it like like dehydrated converted to a powder and then put in capsules you wash it really really thoroughly and um just get the placenta very clean and it's just rinsed with water uh, Mm -hmm. because there are clots and other things on it and we make it as clean as possible that takes about 20 minutes just to clean it thoroughly i wear gloves during the entire process Um, everything has been like, I spray down and clean the entire area of the sink, the counters, everything's been sterilized before that. Um, and then once it's clean, it's put into a steamer and I use the traditional Chinese method of preparation. So I have ginger and lemon in the water and then above it in a steamer is the, a steaming basket is the placenta. So you steam it for, depending on the size of the placenta between probably eight and 15 minutes. Um, and it's incredible to see the shrinkage on the placenta. You have a big placenta that fills that whole basket and it'll shrink down to at least half its size. So um, it shrinks down and then you slice it very thinly and dehydrate it um, in a dehydrator. And then you pulverize that in a blender. I have my special placenta encapsulating blender it's like a little bullet blender and then I encapsulate it in um, veggie capsules put it in a glass jar because that keeps them fresh just a little more stable and they are kept in the refrigerator while they're being consumed and then if the mom doesn't end up consuming all of them she puts in the freezer and they stay good indefinitely awesome yeah so all those services and they can people can learn contact you through your website easier birthing yes awesome 
Well, thank you so much, Marie. It has been a joy to talk to you and hear your amazing story and all the services you offer. Thank you, Emily. I appreciate the opportunity to share it. It's a, something I obviously feel very passionate about and enjoy sharing with other women. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you have a great day. Thank you, Emily. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening. I started this podcast with the goal of providing useful information to parents and families. I'd like to know how I'm doing. Please like and subscribe on whatever platform you're using, and then go to my website, hypnosis4motivation.com. Leave a comment and let me know what your greatest challenges are. Are there topics you'd like to learn more about that we haven't covered yet? How can we help meet your needs as a family member? Do you have a story to share that would help others? Reach out to me at hypnosisformotivation.com. Use a number four. I'd love to hear from you.